Hey, what's going on, everybody? I'd like to thank you all for tuning in to the show. Got my crew with me, Darnell and Tyler. I'm Trey, and we are coming your way with the 52nd edition of the Don't Kill the Messengers podcast. First thing we're about to get into is the NBA. Uh, what we're about to talk about right now is Cavs versus Golden State. Uh, what do you guys think about the matchups they had uh, this year? Uh, tail of two beatdowns. Uh, <laughs> you know, Christmas was underwhelming because Cavs ran away with it, and uh, the MLK Day game, uh, the Warriors got their revenge and beat them down on the court. And uh, yeah, I think it was worse. It was not as bad as it looked, but you know, took took a couple hits on the floor with uh, LeBron's flop job, looking like he got shot with a twelve gauge. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah. You, you know, I think at the end of the day that that altercation between Green and LeBron ended up being the story because it's what, game 37 of the regular season, close to game 40, and nobody really cares yet. I mean, it's it's interesting TV, and it's, you know, a game you tune in to watch, but everybody expects these two teams to be in the finals again, and that's when everybody's really going to be watching and actually caring. So, I mean, even though it's a good momentum game for Golden State, uh, I don't know that either team walks away thinking they really have an edge on the other. Yeah. Uh, now, yeah, now, Darnell, when you first saw that, um, you know, that uh, Draymond Green-LeBron situation, you know, what exactly went through your head, man? I mean, it was a foul. It was yeah. definitely a foul. And by rule, it was a, it could be called a flagrant just because contact was made with the head and neck area. But, you know, LeBron definitely overacted. Uh, I would have gave him a tack just for how he took that foul. <laughs> I mean, he basically, basically did a pirouette and just fell and looked like he was dead. So it was like, come on, man. We, we've seen you run through how many people trying to follow you when you have a head of steam going to the basket and that. That little swipe made you spin around and do a three sixty and hit the hit the canvas like that. No, <laughs> yeah, you, you know, I, sometimes I think the best analogy for a LeBron foul, and I'm not saying it's every foul. Sometimes he he does get hit pretty hard, but it um, sometimes the best analogy is you know it's a soccer foul where he <laughs> plays it up real big and then lays on the floor for a minute, but you know he's okay. You know, but it, it, LeBron knew who was coming at him. So if he knows who's coming at him, knowing it's Draymond Green, knowing he has the history, of course you're going to play it up. I mean, you could say it was a smart move by LeBron if you want, because those flagrant, flagrants are going to add up. And who knows, maybe once again in the finals, he'll rack up too many of them and then be suspended another game. I mean, I don't know, but... Uh, LeBron knew that he was coming at him, so I think that had to play a lot of the overreaction. But uh, like you said, Darnell, it was a foul. But yeah, I do think the reaction was a little much. Yeah. Now, uh, a few weeks ago, uh, the Cavaliers they picked up Kyle Korver. Uh, just said that he's still trying to mix with the team. But um, how do you think uh, him going to uh, Cleveland will end up helping the Cavs this year? 
I mean, it gives them some more of a shooting punch, which surprisingly they ended up having the edge last year in the finals, uh, as far as since, you know, Steph disappeared like he had the past two finals. Yeah. Uh, I think it's just giving them another shooter. So if it comes down to a game like that, they have enough firepower to go back and forth with them. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it comes down to just having another option on the floor. If it's a close game late, you need a three pointer because you have LeBron that can shoot threes pretty well. Kyrie shoots them fairly well. Uh, I mean, Kevin Love shoots them well. So, your big three is already your most likely three-point shooters. Now you got a guy who's made a career on doing it, uh, kind of like how the Heat got Ray Allen. I mean, I think it's the same exact thing. Uh, this is just a moment where you have another option on the floor, another guy that shoots the three very well, and late in the game, another very serious threat to putting the ball in the hoop when you need to. Yeah, you know, that's a good point there, man, for sure. Uh we won't dwell on this a lot this week, uh, cause I got some more basketball stuff, uh, we can get into next week. Um, but anything else to add between, uh, the Cavs and Golden State? No, I just, I would hope to see one of the, well, I mean, that was their last matchup for a year, but, you know, hopefully if they meet in the finals, every game's not a blowout. Yeah. Like, well, just yeah. looking at the two, uh, right now, like, which one, because the, the split, uh, 1-1, one, one, um, who would you give the advantage to? Still say Golden State? I mean, as it stands right now, uh, I think I would give the advantage to Golden State, uh, just off of the sheer amount of talent that they have. I think they, I think they have a player that's not gonna, uh, drop off at all. When it comes to the finals, uh, and I, I figure that's probably something that they had in mind. Uh, Clay has been pretty consistent through the regular season and playoffs, as has Draymond, at least when he's on the court, if he's not suspended for uh, technicals or flagrants or something like that. Uh, the, the missing link was, was Steph, who kind of disappeared on us last year and, and the year before, but they were able to pull it out. Uh, but, uh, KD has been in that situation before as well against LeBron when, uh, Oklahoma City played the Heat. He, he played well in that finals. And I think he's the type that's been there and he's not gonna, uh, fade in the spotlight. So, and if, if we get anything from Steph with, with him and Clay playing as they would normally, I, I think, Golden State should run away with it by that point. Yeah, I would agree. I'd I'd say Golden State has the advantage, and I I think I'll go with a reason that's not necessarily talked about often when it comes to Golden State, but their depth. I think their bench is once again phenomenal. Uh, You know, one of my favorite players coming off their bench is Sean Livingston. You have a six-seven guard that can post up that can hit the mid-range jumper. The only thing he really doesn't do is shoot threes. He protects the ball and doesn't turn it over. Um, but really, they, they can bring three bench guys on the floor and not miss a beat. Uh, you know, and those guys have experience, you know, a lot of, well, not a lot of them, but some of them around the team last year. And I think one surprising piece for them has been JaVale McGee. 
He mm-hmm. has he has not been crazy JaVale. JaVale McGee that we've seen on Shaq and a pool. He's actually been a really solid player this year. I don't know if it's the fact that someone got to him or he's just around better players and has just cleaned his act up, but uh, he, he's been a real nice addition for them, uh, especially around the rim. Yeah, he's he seems to fit into a, a role player position pretty well. He's, mm-hmm. he's not trying to play outside of his role. Yeah, the, the worst thing about him right now is his haircut. <laughs> All right, uh, just one more uh, that I have for you guys. Um, gonna ask you guys about the soon to be All Star Zaza Pachulia. Um, <laughs> hey, it's gonna happen, man. But um, yeah, you know they like they had a great uh, defender, rim protector, and Bogut last year. Um, how do you think he's uh, filled in and uh, stepped into Bogut's uh, role and uh, played the center position for him? Yeah, I I don't think he's as tough as Bogut is. Uh, but I do think he fills the void. They're built very similar. Uh, both seven foot and just big. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, so the idea that he still brings an inside presence, uh, can hit the mid range jumper. Uh, like I said, doesn't play the defense that Bogut did, but I don't know that they need him to play the defense that Bogut did since they added basically another really good defender in Kevin Durant. Um, and if they if they get once again back to uh, cl- playing Cleveland in the finals, Cleveland doesn't really have a low post threat. Ke- or uh, yeah, Kevin Love just steps on the outside, and Tristan Thompson doesn't score the ball, so uh, they won't necessarily need him for that. They they just need him to be a solid rebounder. Yeah, I mean he's definitely not a replacement for Bogut. He's not better than Bogut by any means, but he's filled in to do what he needs to do. Like you have you have no business touching the ball on offense outside of catching the ball off the rim or if you're slashing for a wide open rebound. So you do, he doesn't demand much uh much time with the ball and he takes up space on defense, which I mean they need a big body, but I think the big factor is how much K D has stepped up his role on the defensive side. Yeah. And, you know, most people didn't expect this, but, I mean, their defensive numbers are better than they were last year uh, with the protector. Yeah. All right, guys. um, Anything else to add on the uh, Cavs or Golden State? No. All right. Up next, uh, we're about to get into Carmelo Anthony. Um, There's some news coming out about him this uh, week. Uh, there's been rumors saying he wants to get trade, and I've also heard today that he actually wants to stay a Nick. Um, what do you guys think about this whole Carmelo situation? I think it's typical Carmelo. Um, he's kind of had that drama when he went to New York at first, and now we're seeing it again. I mean, he just kind of seems to find a way to make things as difficult as possible. <laughs> um do do I think he's a good fit in New York? Yes. Uh, do I see that team going anywhere? No. So I guess for him, it just depends. Does he want to win or does he want the money? Because that's basically his two options right now. I actually go the other way on this one. I'm putting most of the issue that's being brought out on Phil Jackson. 
No, yeah, um, he he's been in the news for a lot of that stuff lately too. Yeah, well, I'd agree there. And I think you 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 made the point. What I was about to get to, you said the word right there, the news. Like he's talking yeah. too much. You're, mm-hmm. you're the president of operations. You need to be in the background. You need to be trying to figure out what other pieces do you need to get this team winning. Uh, when he should be making statements, he's not. Like when Derrick Rose just all of a sudden disappeared last last week, yeah. we heard nothing from Phil Jackson yet. We've heard him in the news talking about how Carmelo holds the ball too long and whatever other issues, like talking through other reporters saying that Melo needs to wave his no-trade clause so they can get rid of him and all this kind of stuff. I think Melo's been pretty mature this year and not going off on the, the team president that has not, outside of draft, outside of one good draft pick hasn't shown he's really yeah. good at his job. And, you know, and he's a part-time VP. Like, he's living in another state half the time and not in New York. So, uh, I, th- I think Melo, not, not saying he's perfect. He has his issues, but I, I think he's getting a little bit of a bad rap on this issue. I think, I think, uh, his, his elder needs to be called to court a little more on this one. Uh, Phil, he got his six rings as a coach, but he hasn't done anything as a, as a, uh, front office guy yeah and, and i i think i'll clear up a little what i was saying it, it to me it just seems like whenever it comes time for carmelo to make a decision it just somehow becomes very difficult um and like i said i don't know i i do think some of that would fall on jackson here uh because like i said he he goes months at a time without saying a word and then all of a sudden in the last four or five months multiple times we hear him speaking out and stuff that's like one it didn't need to be said and two why are you even talking about it um so is bill jackson a little bit of the problem here yeah absolutely but i think what i'm saying is more just along the lines of it seems like when it comes time for carmelo to make a decision on his career things seem to just make a turn and get really difficult uh so you know i'm not saying that it's necessarily him but it just seems to be that that's the way it happens. Now, you guys think he can uh, ever win a ring in New York? Or you think it would probably be in his best interest to go somewhere else? Nah, he's got to go. go. If he wants, I think he's got to go. Well, I'm not sure if there's a team that's in that upper echelon that's close to winning a title that he's a fit for. So, I, mean, yeah. I think he's just kind of in a tough spot as far as that goes. I mean, I, I don't think he's he's going to be the guy to get people to come play with him. Yeah. Now, is this uh, is, are the Knicks still his team? Because you know, Porzingis, man, he's been doing his thing this year. I think Melo's still think probably still the guy. best, the best talent on the team. Uh, Porzingis is still young, but I mean, he's the future. He's the future of the team. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. All right, guys, uh, anything left to say for Mello? No, I think we covered it up. All right. Um, up next, man, we're about to get into our All-Stars. Uh, so this is getting close to uh, All-Star week. I uh, just think I thought that we should add this in right now uh, before we start to get really in more depth in the NBA uh, for next week. Um, but uh, so far, uh, we'll start with you, Ty. Um, who would you say... Who would you pick for your all-stars in the uh, 
Um, you know, it's it's always tough. I mean, we had this conversation uh, late last week over text message, you know, talking about the fan vote and how, you know, the fan vote just makes it really sketchy. Where, like, right now we have Zaza Pachulia, who looks like he's going to be starting for the Western Conference. But, you know, it's, he's not really one of the best big men, even in the NBA. So why is he going to get in? But yeah. once again, that, that's just the fan vote aspect, uh, the idea of giving the fans what they want. But if it, if we're up to, if it were up to me. Oh, well, real uh, quick, would, let me ask you this, Doc. He was close um, to getting into the, uh, you know, uh, start for the All-Star last year. He got a lot of votes. Um, okay. Do you think him going to Golden State, because a lot of teams are, a lot of people are bandwagoning on that team. Do you think that mm-hmm. kind of put the icing on the cake for him to, uh, a lot of people to vote for him and try to get him into the All-Star game? Yeah, a little bit. Uh, you know, you get a lot of people who just want to try and screw it up as much as you can. Yeah. So, you know, He's on Golden State. People love Golden State, so they're all going to vote for whoever's on Golden State. Uh, but, you know, whatever. If the fans voted that way, then the fans voted that way. And if the NBA doesn't like it, then they need to change their system, and that'll be on the NBA, not on the fans. So, yeah. uh, you know, I don't blame anybody for it. It's just the way it is right now. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, back to my five. Uh, it's, it's, it's tough because now we see James Harden as, uh, you know, a point guard. So do you want to put him and Westbrook in the backcourt? I probably would. So those would be, uh, those would be my two guards, Westbrook, Harden, uh, which is tough because then I'm kicking out Curry yeah. and I'm kicking out, uh, Thompson. I mean, th- that's just tough. But then at the, uh, at the three, I'd go Durant, uh, the four, the four is a tough one for me. Yeah. Uh, unless you want to move, like, you want to move Durant up to the four and go with the three guard look. Then you could throw Steph in there. You know, it, there's just so much you could do. Uh, but definitely my five would be DeMarcus Cousins. I think he's a stud and he gets a lot of crap, but the, the guy can play. That's, that's for darn sure. Yeah. Uh, so I, I would probably mix it up and go with a three guard look. Go with uh probably I'd throw Curry in there, go Curry, Westbrook, Harden, uh Durant and Cousins. I'd roll with that. Okay. Yeah, uh, for the West Yeah, what about you, Darnell? I was gonna say for the West I would probably go uh with Westbrook and Harden for my guards. Uh Katie and Kawhi, uh, yeah, so my forwards, and then uh, be basically a coin flip between Davis and and Cousins for that fifth spot. But I would probably lean Cousins. All right, yeah, I got the same as you, uh, Darnell. So you basically got Russ Harden, uh, Kawhi, KD, and Boogie. So yeah, so none of us showing love to Zaza, huh? <laughs> <laughs> he he could come off the bench for all I care. Yeah, what I did, don't think he deserves a start. So. Yeah. Uh, did you? Uh, no, you you had to go for a second, Darnell. Did you uh, hear what I had to ask Tyler about? Zaza uh, going to um, Golden State and that possibly being uh, basically icing on the cake for him to become an All Star since he was close to getting in uh, the year before. I mean, that probably helped put him over the edge, being with a team that has a 
more of a rabid fan base. But I mean, just opening up the vote of fans. If if there's a player from another country that basically is their their national athlete, we saw it with Yao Ming for years. Yeah, but when he was like retired, he got voted. <laughs> yeah. Crazy stuff, man. They definitely need to do something about the voting, though, to make it more uh, better for the players. Because there's a lot of players out there, man, they be busting their tail off. And, you know, they get screwed over sometimes by the fans. So, All right, guys, what about the East? Well, I, I think the East is, in my opinion, even a little tougher for me to sort out. I would go with, you know, the, it, it's hard because I think we got some really good guards. <laughs> yeah, we got some I really agree. good guards in each this year. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Kyrie's having a good year. Isaiah Thomas is having a good year. Kyle Lowry's having another good year. Uh, but here I would probably, if it were up to me, I'd go Isaiah Thomas uh, at the point with DeMar DeRozan at the two. Uh, I would put... I'd probably go Giannis or Giannis, however you want to say it, at the at the three, throw LeBron at the four, or flip those. And um, ooh, the five. Um, I went um, white side. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's been hurt though. Yeah. Uh, which makes it tough for me. I mean, if if I wanted to put somebody there. Uh, I mean, only because he just puts up monster numbers when he's in. Yeah, I mean, I don't have a problem with Whiteside being there, but... Uh, what about Drummond, yeah, man? So, you, you repping the day? Yeah, yeah, I mean, I don't know that Drummond would deserve to start. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he's good, don't get me wrong. Uh, hasn't been as consistent as last year, so... So, yeah, I mean, I'd be, I'd be alright with Whiteside, uh... I just don't see the West or the East having the same power in the front court that uh, the West does. Yeah. Uh, so, so once once again, just to run it through, I'd probably go Isaiah Thomas, Demar Derozan, LeBron, Giannis, and I'd go Whiteside. All right. Uh, I'm looking at probably going Isaiah Thomas as well. Uh, I would actually put Giannis in as another guard since he does a lot of that for the Bucks now. Uh Ron and Jimmy Butler uh, as my forwards. And then yeah, the center part that's the tough one there. But yeah, I guess Hassan <laughs> Whiteside isn't a bad pick. Yeah. Yeah. Hey man, since this uh fan voting, I'm gonna go point guard my man Rondo. Oh god <laughs> Are you going to vote for I'm, Reggie Miller to get yeah. in? <laughs> no, man, I was just playing. But, uh, man, it sucks to see what he's been going through this year. Uh, I'm missing him in an all-star game. Man. I want to see him back in there, but I was looking. It's tough. Um, but me, I go Lowry, uh, DeRozan, LeBron, Antetokounmpo, and then Whiteside. But, all right, guys, um, any other uh, things you'd like to add for the NBA before we move on to the NFL? I mean, we gave our our final starters. Like, what do you guys think as far as he's been in the news begging for votes, but he has actually been playing well. But uh, what do you guys think about 
possibly Joel and B starting at, at the five for the East. Well, he's averaging 19 and seven, close, closer to 20 and closer to eight. So I don't know anybody that would complain with those numbers really for someone who's starting. Uh, very, very few, few guys out there can average a triple double or a double double, triple double. Say that might be further down the road. So. Yeah, that, that's asking a lot, but uh, I mean, not too many guys out there average a double double. So he, he's close to it. So he's right in there with everybody else. So if he were to get a nod, I, I wouldn't be upset. Yeah, that's uh, you know, he's been putting up great numbers, man. Especially you know since that injury. Uh, nobody, um, at least the people that I know, did not expect him to be balling uh, like he's been this year. So. Uh, great story for him to come into the league and do damage. But, um, you know, I wouldn't mind if he was to get the starting gig, but, uh, you know, he's definitely been showing it, you know, but, uh, hopefully he wouldn't let him, let it get to his head because, you know, this is basically pretty much his rookie season. Um, you know, that'd be a great honor for him. He probably wouldn't want that to get to his head and then, you know, let him be feeling himself too much, but that's good for him for sure. Do y'all think he should at least get a reserve spot? Yeah, oh, for sure. Yeah, there's not not enough good centers in the East for him not to. Yeah, so definitely, yeah, I definitely would not have a problem with that at all. So, but all right, guys, um, anything else to add? No. All right, uh, we're about to get into the NFL. Uh, first thing we're about to talk about is uh, our thoughts on last week's games. Uh, first one we're about to get into is Houston versus the Patriots. Um, how did you guys feel about that game? It was actually a decent contest uh, yeah. for a while. Um, Houston hung around. Osweiler turned into the Osweiler we thought he was. Uh, but ultimately, I think we got what we expected. Uh, you know, a decent outing from uh, the Houston defense. Uh they kept him in it for a while, but that offense just isn't enough to take advantage of a good defense. So uh, the Patriots took over. Deion Lewis had a great game, uh, three touchdowns in three different ways, rushing, receiving, and a kick. So uh, Patriots just did what they needed to do, moved on, and are looking to this week. Yeah, I mean, the outcome, of course, was expected. Houston's D did do their best to keep them in that game. Uh, they they made Brady probably look the most pedestrian he's looked all year. But uh, it's just there wasn't enough on the other side of the ball for, for Houston to make this one uh, viable in the end. Yeah. How do you guys feel about um, Osweiler's uh, future as a starting QB? He still has a lot to learn. Uh, I mean, this is his first full season as a starter. Uh, I He didn't start all 16 games, but uh, this is the longest stint he's had. Um, you know, th- there's some growing pains that come with uh, being a first-time starting quarterback. And a lot of times it takes the right offensive coordinator or the right quarterback's coach to really connect with the quarterback and get him going. So I'm not going to put a ton of it on Brock Osweiler. I know I've been hard on him all year, uh, but rightfully so, I believe. And, uh, you know, maybe he'll be able to turn it around. 
So I have high hopes for him. I think he has a lot of good qualities that you'd like in a quarterback, but uh, I, this just wasn't his year. Well, I mean, his his contract says he's going to be a starter for at least another year. Uh, basically, Houston's paying him too much to <laughs> throw him away. <laughs> to, yeah, so <laughs> they they got to put him out there. But uh, there's definitely some growth that needs to be had. Uh, I mean, they took him off of a very good team in Houston. I mean, in Denver and putting him in Houston. But they didn't have that growth that they thought they would have. Uh, and, I mean, it's not like he had bad targets there either. So, mm-hmm. and, like, he, he has all the things around him that's needed to succeed. They have a good O-line, good back good number one receiver uh maybe get him another another receiver to throw to but uh most of it's going to be on him uh and improving all right guys now uh what about uh, the atlanta versus seattle game um go ahead go ahead i was gonna say uh just another one where i mean it was an uneasy pick uh, going to our picks, but I mean, it was. I just thought Atlanta had a little too much firepower for them, especially with the injuries that Seattle has on defense, where they just weren't going to be able to keep that offense from getting in the end zone a lot. And Seattle's not built for shootouts, so it just it went that way. Yeah, I was going to start by saying I'm a little disappointed because I really wanted to pick Atlanta, but I didn't. Uh, At the end of the day, Matt Ryan's having an MVP year. He's utilizing all of his receiving targets. Uh, He's getting one of the better duos in the backfield in the NFL right now. Uh, so a lot of things are just falling their way. Their, their defense is stepping up at the right time this year. Uh, really from about week uh, 14 on that, this defense looks like an elite defense. So, uh, you know, just things are clicking right now with Atlanta. Uh, like you said, Seattle is built more for a close game, low scoring. Uh, this Richardson guys come out of nowhere, made some huge catches for them, but. You know, just the idea that Russell Wilson doesn't, he's not a guy that you're going to just sling the ball down the field and make up 14 points in two or three possessions. Uh, That's just not their game. That's not how Seattle rolls. Uh, Their defense started getting real banged up. uh, And you could just see them getting tired toward the end of the game. Uh, They didn't seem to be subbing a lot on defense mainly because they didn't have the subs. So it was just time for them to lose. You, you kind of saw it coming once Atlanta made a few scores, started rolling, gaining the confidence. You, you just kind of saw Seattle slow down and uh, really made me wish I picked Atlanta. <laughs> right. We're still ahead, Ty, so we'll get to that a little later. Um, but what did you guys think about the news about uh, Seattle uh, talking about uh, Richard Sherman's NCL injury? Uh, these. Supposedly, uh, supposedly had uh, uh, 
quite a while. I think he has at least eight games during the regular season. So he's yeah, he's had an MCL injury for a minute. That's uh, what they were saying. I mean, it's it's news and just learning about it, but I, I don't think it affected the outcome of that game. Like I, I think their their most important defender was the one that wasn't on the field. Yeah. That's Earl Thomas. And mm-hmm. for a game like that where you're dealing with a potent passing attack, if you have an elite safety, you need him out there. And they didn't have him, and it showed. Uh, maybe maybe the game's a little closer. They get a couple better stops if his MCL's at 100%. But, I mean, that, that wasn't the reason they lost because Richard Sherman had a hurt knee. Okay. Yeah, I would agree. Um Especially in football, one player doesn't make it make the ultimate difference unless it's your quarterback. Uh, like I said, it, and it, it wasn't just Richard Sherman getting hurt out there. That whole defense was banged up. Uh, you know, I think we saw Michael Bennett go down a couple of times. Uh, forgot who who the other corner is, but I think he went down one time as well. So it was just it was just everybody getting banged up. It's late in the year. You've played 17 games. Uh, everybody's hurt at this point, so little nagging injuries are acting up. Small injuries turn into something bigger because, you know, you're already hitting spots that are bruised, spots that are sprained. Um, you know, it, it's not just him getting hurt out there. So it's just that, that time of the year. And like Darnell said, that, that Atlanta offense was finding absolutely everybody to give the ball to. So, even if they weren't giving it to whoever Sherman was on, it was going to somebody else. Yeah. Um, do you guys think that this Seattle defense is uh, starting to go downhill now? You know, because with the um, old Thomas uh, injury, then you have uh, Sherman. Um, he had his little MCL injury. Some people uh, may believe that he's not been, he hasn't been playing like he was uh, a couple years ago or whatever. Uh, do you think this, uh, yeah, this defense is just starting to go downhill now? I don't, I don't know that they're starting to go downhill, but I don't think they're as feared as they once were. Yeah, I wouldn't go that far either saying that they're going downhill. Uh, I think they're showing some effects of having to be on the field more than they usually would just because, uh, Seattle's offense had a lot of growing pains himself this year. Uh, Russell Wilson had a slow start to the year and I mean, <laughs> they may do, but that offensive line is garbage that they have. <laughs> so, uh, so I think just some of the effects of that just went on through the year. You know, defenses get tired the longer they're on the field, and they had a, a lot of games where they had to play a lot of snaps, and that that gets chinks in the armor, and then into the end of the year, you get injuries and injuries to major players uh, with. Uh, time is going out and then apparently now hearing about this uh, Richard Sherman injury. Uh, I think if they just shore up some things, I mean, hopefully I know Earl Thomas was talking about possibly calling it a, a career, but if, if he does come back and he's himself and their front office makes some correct moves to help out on the other side of the ball to be able to extend some drives, I think the Legion of Boom is back being scary. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, just your quick thoughts on this. Uh, this is wondering. Um, 
who would you guys would rather have as your uh, cornerback, um, Sherman in his prime or uh, when Re- Revis Island was popping, uh, Darrell Revis? I think I go Revis in his prime. All right. Yeah, I would. I would agree. Uh, mainly because I feel like Seattle has more of that scheme going on where you stay on your side of the field. You only cover the outside where Revis, who he was all over that field, left, right. If the guy needs to go, if the guy he's on's in the slot, he's in the slot. So. All right. No problem with that. Um, next thing we're about to get into is Pitt versus Kansas City. Um, what did you guys think about this game? Very weird game. <laughs> yeah. You know, the winner of the game kicks nothing but field goals. Yeah. Just, I mean, Kansas City has to feel bad about that, but I mean, that's that was just part of where I went with that one. Just can't trust, can't trust old Alex Smith. Like, if if you have a quarterback that can't beat a team that can't get into the end zone, you have a problem. And and he did throw a touchdown pass, but it's just you have to be able to attack a team like that. When you have an offense like Pittsburgh's that's struggling where they're not getting six, yep. you have to be able to capitalize. And Kansas City didn't, and now they're taking that, that vacay. Yeah. Yeah. You, you know, I had the right assessment of Le'Veon Bell's going to show his stuff here, but he never put it in the end zone, and I was a little surprised by that. I felt like Pittsburgh was in a lot of really good positions to score. They hit the red zone multiple times and just couldn't put it in. But, uh, you know, this is why you pay your kicker, too. So, uh, you know, when when Smith threw that touchdown, I, I thought, you know, Kansas City could roll because uh, they had a good enough defense. They're at home. But uh, ultimately, they didn't. And they showed a lot of inconsistency on offense. Travis Kelsey was getting really mad out there and shoving guys after the play. Uh, you could just tell that Kansas City got frustrated the longer that game went on. And, and I think it alluded to the fact that, you know, you're losing by field goals. Like you said, Darnell, like, you should be upset if you're losing because the other kicker's kicking six field goals. You should be mad by that. Yeah. So just I think the team with the better offense won the game here. Uh, it, it, it looked like it was really cold. so. I don't know if that had anything to do with it. I don't think it did, but you really never know. So, um, granted, I'd rather see Pittsburgh in the AFC Championship game than Kansas City anyway. So, I think we're going to be getting the better game for next week. Right. I heard some people complaining about the penalty um, at the end for Kansas City uh, for them to tie up the game for that two-point conversion. Uh, how did you guys feel about that penalty? I thought it was a hold. And he he dragged dragged the defender down and prevented him from getting to the quarterback. So I think it it was definitely a hold or a put down, whatever you want to whatever you want to label it. <laughs> you feel the same way, Darno? Yeah, I I pretty much agree. I think most people were just trying to take the you can't make that call at that time yeah. issue. It's <laughs> like if, if it's a penalty, it's a penalty. Like, sorry. 
And, and Darnell, you know that's been my beef with referees. I just want consistency. If it's a foul in the first minute of the game, it's a foul in the last minute of the game. And I, I think that if Fisher did not hold, uh, Smith would have been sacked or the throw would have been affected. So, yeah. uh, I, I do think it was, it was definitely the right call. No matter what Travis Kelsey says. <laughs> All right. Now, last but not least for this one, um, you know, after the game, you know, they had, uh, Antonio, uh, Brown, uh, recording the coach and everything, uh, talking about the Patriots, um, in appropriate manner. Um, how do you guys, uh, feel about Antonio Brown? Uh, you know, a lot of teammates and the coaches, uh, particularly upset with him. Uh, do you go too far or what? How do you feel about that? I mean, it was a dumb move. Like, we know how secretive NFL teams are and you, are Facebook living yourself while your coach is talking and trying to get get the team riled up. Like I know he was he was happy about the win and was you know it's that day and age where you have to social put everything on social media about yourself, I guess. But uh, wrong time to do it. Like I'm not I'm not going as nuts about it as most people are. Like I know. Mike Tomlin had to go put on the show and talk about how he'll be dealt with swiftly and all this kind of stuff. But it's not like you're going to suspend him for it for the next game. So, so just all of this meaningless talk. Uh, but I mean, it's, I think it just goes to, you know, the secretiveness of the NFL and the teams within it. You have, you have cameras in the locker rooms after games all the time for media. It's just they have the, the power to edit out what they don't want the public to see. Yeah. He just took matters into his own hand. Like I said, dumb move, wrong time to do it, but uh, I, I don't think it's as big a deal as people are trying to make it out to be. Yeah, uh, definitely agree. Uh, I kind of leave the whole situation alone once you find out, like, and a lot of people don't know but once you find out that it's against league policy to do that, it's kind of where I leave the situation alone. It's like, all right, he violates team policy, violates NFL policy, fine him and be done with it. Like, it's not like I understand what got put on the video, like what was heard on the video is why it's a big deal. Yeah. Uh, because, I mean, call it what you want, a pep talk or, you know, just how you talk about what's coming next. I, I mean, I don't really know how you want to word what Tomlin was saying, but uh, it's just the idea that that should be between the coach and the team, and then that should be it. So, it, it, like Darnell said, just a bad move, but I don't think we need to make a ton out of it. All right. Speaking of Darnell, up next we got, we're about to talk about them Cowboys <laughs> first. <laughs> <laughs> the Green Bay Packers, man. That was an awesome game. At first, I thought, you know, it was going to be uh, horrible. This is how it started, man. But uh, Cowboys, they rallied, rallied together. I thought they were going to pull it off. Uh, they had the momentum going. But Aaron Rodgers, man, he's that man. Uh, how do you guys feel about that game? I think best game of the playoffs so far. I don't yeah. anybody can argue that. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, it was 
it was it was a fun one to watch. Of course, I wish the other team would have won, but uh, we had early. Uh, Dak Prescott looked like a rookie, uh, but he, he got things together, and the defense tried to play it a little bit better in the fourth quarter. And I mean, we came back to trading last second drives and like it's one of those games where I don't think you can throw blame on anybody it's just it was a good game that somebody had to lose yeah yeah um you wouldn't even like there's not nobody you know because they started off slow for that first half there's not even a person looking at that first half that you were just like okay this person needs to step up more or anything or what I mean of course you you wish things go better like you wish that they would have had some better drives early to so they wouldn't have to dig themselves out of a hole. Yeah. But, you know, they're coming in. I mean, he he hasn't played like it, but he had a rookie quarterback. Yeah, he had mm-hmm. a rookie running back, so had to get used to the situation he was in. Once he did and he stepped up, he he started picking uh the Packers defense apart. Just like uh, Rodgers was picking theirs apart, and I mean, when when it comes down to basically a amazing catch along the sideline and an amazing throw, and and that's how you that's how you set up the losing field goal. I, I can't really throw much on on any certain player. Yeah, I bet. Yeah, I bet that reception had to hurt, man. That was oh, that was yeah. I was I was hoping he was out of bounds. <laughs> they showed the first replay. I was like, okay, game over. <laughs> yeah, you know, and I'll I'll agree with Darnell. I mean, I don't think you can ask to be in a better situation than, uh, you know, a minute to go, and you're, you know, kicking a field goal tied up, or thirty seconds or whatever it was, and you're tying the game up. Uh, you know, I think if that game got into overtime, it was really anybody's game. Uh, I wouldn't say one team had the advantage over the other if that if that went into overtime. But it it was really an interesting sequence because you had the situation where Dallas snapped or uh, spiked the ball to stop the clock, um, which a lot of people looked back and started questioning that big time, especially once you lose, you look at every little nuance. Uh, I know how that is. Uh, but Dallas kicks the field goal to tie it up. And my brother goes, do you, do you ice Dan Bailey? Do you call one of your timeouts and ice him? And I said, no way, 35 seconds. And you have Aaron Rodgers as your quarterback. You can go down the field. And he's like, all right, good point. So it gets to third and 20. And I'm thinking, I think Dallas is going to get this to overtime. Like, I, I really do. And then I don't know what they're going to end up calling that play, but it's going to get some sort of a name because it seems like every big play gets a name these days. So I know Aaron Rodgers does what Aaron Rodgers does, and Mason Crosby hits two of the biggest field goals of his career in the fourth. Uh, a guy who struggled last year. I mean, it's it's nice to see a guy kind of get some redemptive kicks back in him, but uh, those those were two huge kicks, both of which I thought were going to miss uh, once they first got into the air. The first one was kind of a knuckler that barely snuck over, and the other one I thought was going to either hit the 
at the polar misleft, but in reality, that was Aaron Rodgers being Aaron Rodgers, and I don't blame anybody for Dallas. Yeah, they got off to a slow start, but they were in the position they needed to be late. The defense was playing really well late. It's just the fact that Aaron Rodgers has the best protecting offensive line uh, for passing in the NFL, and his receivers find ways to get open. So, And he put that throw really in just about the only spot it could have been. Yeah, you know, um, like I said, Darren, I know you're uh, pretty disappointed in the loss, man. But just looking at Elliott and Dak, how they've been uh, falling out this year, man, uh, that team is going to be incredible down the road. They were incredible this year, but, you know, they got the experience for the uh, playoffs. They uh, adjusted quickly, and, you know, they were putting up numbers, man. So I'm pretty sure you're going to be happy to see what this team can do for down the road uh, years from now. Oh, yeah, I mean. The weapons they have on offense, and they have a chip that they'll probably get a first round pick for in Tony Romo. Yeah. They, they should be able to put together some nice pieces to make that defense a little better as well. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, what do you, uh, what would you like to see? Uh, you know, you're talking about picks. Like, is there something, uh, particular, uh, part of the team where you would like to see improve better? You know, say, I think I think they found some some nice pieces at at defensive end. I think they need some secondary help in the inside, uh, like a, a D tackle. Okay, I, I think those are the areas of need. All right. Yeah, you can never go wrong defense. Yeah. All right, guys. Um, anything else to add on that game? No, I'll agree it was the best one. Yeah. Okay. Um, up next, we're about to actually get into uh, the games for this week. Um, our pickums ties in first place, seven out of eight. Darnell is in second, five out of eight. I'm in third with four out of eight. Um, first game we're about to get into is Green Bay versus ATL. Uh, how do you guys feel about this matchup? I am really nervous about it because I have the Packers going one more step. And their defense is getting very hurt. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and going against Atlanta, that's the wrong time to have your defense get hurt. But I think that this is going to be a higher scoring game anyway. And I will take Green Bay to outscore anybody. Uh, and they proved they could do it without Jordy Nelson. Yeah. So yeah, uh, that, to, that uh, was huge. And yeah. they're, they're not ruling him out this week. Uh, there was a quote that came out from someone on their staff that said, you know, this takes a lot of people, what, four to six weeks to heal from, but Jordy Nelson's not most people. So who knows what that even means? Uh, is it just a mind game that they're trying to play, you know, have you prepare for them and throw a curveball or something like that? I don't know. But uh, I, I'm going to stick with the red hot Aaron Rodgers uh, to do one more. All right. Yeah, I mean, I wish we had like a a shootout drop on this one because this this game is going to be just points being scored like crazy. Uh, we might we might get like a forty something a forty something game here. Yeah. Uh, it's possible. Yeah, because I think just the Packers' defense is pretty porous, and Aaron Rodgers can shred basically any defense as he ha- if he has enough time. Uh, but I'm rolling with the Packers too. I uh, just 
this has just been a ridiculous run that Rodgers called out for himself, and I think he continues the streak. And, you know, I'll go back to what I said last week. It's hard to keep trusting Atlanta not to mess it up just because of their yeah. history as a franchise, and I, I think this is the time where they mess it up. So uh, I'm rolling with Green Bay here too. Yeah, I, I believe Green Bay is going to pull this one off, uh, but I'm going to be pulling for Atlanta. I just hope that, uh, you know, this is what you kind of just said, Darnell, uh, they just pull it around. Um, but, yeah, I do think Green Bay, you know, just with the streak that they're on right now, uh, they should be able to pull this one off. So, uh, but, yeah, I'm going to go with Green Bay on this one, but I'm hoping for ATL. Um, up next, we have New England versus Pittsburgh. Well, I know Trey's going to have the same pick as here as me, at least. Uh, Darnell won't because of our picks. So, uh, yeah, give me, give me New England. Uh, Deion Lewis had his best game of the year. Uh, it took him a few weeks to get back from an injury, but I think this gets him going. Uh, it, it's always nice when you can get a couple running backs going. I don't think you need to get LeGarrette Blunt going. He kind of is just a bruiser back, runs it up the middle. I'm going to be their goal line guy. Uh, but they, they've shown they can do it in multiple ways. Uh, you know, Edelman or Malcolm Mitchell did it a few times for them during the regular season. Chris Hogan always seems to make a catch here or there. This seems to be a big one. Uh, but De- Deion Lewis was, was really big in multiple factors for them. And I think their defense is going to be real tough at home. That's where they, they seem to play their best on big stages. So I'm going to go with Tom Brady to uh, make it to the promised land again. Oh, yeah. Uh, as to my other Super Bowl pick, I will be going with the the Steelers here. Uh, I know it's in Foxborough, and at least during the regular season, New England is pretty much unbeatable there, but they've, they've lost plenty of playoff games in their own house. So, uh, and... They're playing against a group of players that we know have been there before, uh, especially the quarterback on the other side and Roethlisberger. Uh, I don't, I don't think he fears that Patriot defense, even though they, they are a very good defensive unit. Uh, you know, he, he has weapons around him with Antonio Brown and we've seen how confident Le'Veon Bell has been about himself lately. Uh, mm-hmm. I think I think it comes down to just can can the Steelers defense get to Brady a few times to get him uh get his him uh being a little bit of happy feet in the pocket, which he can be if if he gets hit a few times early. Yeah. So uh get him to start feeling a little bit of that phantom pressure and speeding up his clock and go from there. Yeah, I'm just going to, I got to stick with my pick, uh, New England, man. I just, uh, feel, you know, like you brought it up down there with Pittsburgh D. Well, I'm going to have to see, they're going to be the key factor in this game, uh, to see if they can get to Brady, uh, put pressure on them. But I just think, uh, New England, they're playing at home. Uh, Brady, comes playoff time, he can do his thing. So, uh, just going to go with them, man, uh, just to work it out. Um, this would be really impressive with them, uh, this year, uh, especially since they don't have, uh, Gronk. Uh, for the stage, so he could pull it out. Uh, has a lot of confidence to this team uh, playing the Super Bowl. So, all right, guys. Um, anything else to add on these playoff games? No. 
just can we get both games to be good? Cause yeah, we haven't had so that far, yet. Yeah. So far, we've had one really good game. <laughs> yeah. Um, now, which out of these two, uh, which one you think is going to be uh, the most entertaining one to watch? You just think with uh, Green Bay and Atlanta, it's because uh, the potential we have for Yeah. I was gonna say it just depends on what you're looking for. I mean, if if you want to see a lot of touchdowns, then yeah, Green Bay Atlanta is the game for you to watch. But uh, I think the the higher caliber game all around will be New England versus Pittsburgh. That'll be more mm-hmm. the the chess mm-hmm. match. Okay. All right. Uh, we're just about to get right now. We're about to talk about some of the uh, NFL awards that's going to be uh, given out soon. Uh, Already kind of had a couple already given out, but um, in your guys' opinion, who do you think is the most improved player this year? Yeah, this one was hard for me because I think there's an obvious one and one that's not so obvious. Uh, you know, I think uh, the one I'm going to go with is Melvin Gordon. Uh, the guy had a terrible season last year. Uh, granted, rookie year, getting the feel for the NFL, but Melvin Gordon lit it up this year. He was scoring touchdowns left and right, so I think he he definitely improved. That's a good pick. Uh, I think for me, though, I go with uh, a player who was drafted highly as well and expected to do much, but he was injured for his first two seasons. But this year, he showed what he what we thought he should be, and as such, David Clowney. Um, up next, what about offensive player of the year? Yeah, here I'm. I'm gonna go with. Uh, oh, it, this one's also hard for me. I, I want to pick Matt Ryan. Uh, he had a really good offensive year, but I think I'm gonna actually pick him for a later award. Uh, but offensive player of the year, uh, I'll probably go Zeke Elliott. And he had a fantastic, fantastic season and never, never really had a bad week. Yeah. Very true. Uh, he, I mean, as a rookie, he, he went off and had a great year, but uh, I think for my offensive player of the year, I go with Le'Veon Bell, mm-hmm. uh, just cause he seemed to do everything once yeah. he got back on the field. Uh, I mean, and, like I, I think I, I'm giving him a little bit of what Brady was getting this year from people, uh, even for missing missing games. Just the numbers he put up are, have been amazing for this yeah. season. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. What about defensive player of the year? Um, to an extent, I think this is kind of a two horse race. Two studs and Khalil Mack and Von Miller. Uh, both had good seasons. Uh, I'll probably go with, uh, I'll probably go with Von Miller on this one. Guy just always seems to make big tackles, get sacks. So I'll go Von Miller. And I'm going to go with the other. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I think Khalil Mack, uh, especially playing on a, I think he, like, he was just such a big piece for that. Uh, that defense, if you take him off, I think you get a totally different look and a very bad defense because of what he was able to do for him. Yeah. 
Okay. Um, now, which team shocked you guys the most this year? The Dallas Cowboys. <laughs> I, I don't think anybody would have expected the regular season they had uh, with a rookie quarterback and a rookie running back. Uh, you know, I think a lot of people expected Zeke to do well. Uh, I don't think anybody expected Dak to do half of what he did. So uh, definitely going with the Dallas Cowboys. Okay. I would probably lean that way too, but just to give some – some difference of opinion in there. Uh, I, I will go with, with Atlanta. Uh, usually you expect them to do pretty well and then fall off cliff by the end of the year, but they've kept it going and uh, they've had a I mean, they're, they're in the NFC Championship game. Yeah. Uh, rookie of the year. Uh, this is basically a duel between Zeke and that. Yeah, I would imagine. Yeah. And I would I would give it to Zeke. Yeah, this is where I I throw Zeke out. I I, I think I think just the numbers he put up as a first year running back were amazing. Uh, Dak had a, a great year as well, won a lot of games, but uh, I, I think just off the sheer numbers and comparison to history, I, I think you got to go with Zeke for the year. And last but not least, we had MVP. Who do you guys got? Yeah, I'm going to go with Matt Ryan here. Uh, high touchdowns, low turnovers. Uh, has his team in the NFC Championship game. I don't know how much uh, playoffs get taken into account. I, I don't think they do, actually. But uh, good regular season and really, really slung the ball this year. Uh, did it consistently. Did it from beginning to end. Uh, it helps when you have... A lot of targets to get the ball to. That's why we see Aaron Rodgers winning a lot of years. Uh, so just for the fact that high touchdowns, very low turnovers, I'm going with Matt Ryan. Yeah, I, I agree with Matt Ryan as well. If we, if we could throw the, the playoffs in for the award as well, I would probably lean more towards Aaron Rodgers. But, yeah, yeah I, I, I think uh, just for the regular season body of work, you have to go with, with Matt Ryan. Mm-hmm. There, he's he's had an amazing year and an efficient year. Yeah. Uh, people were probably coming in this year. People were starting to question if he was any lead quarterback. If he was a quarterback that could get Atlanta to the next level, and he stepped up to the challenge this year. All right. Um, is there anything else uh, you guys would like to add uh, for NFL, NBA, or anything else? No. All right, as always, guys, I appreciate you guys tuning into the show. Um, as always, you can check us out on Twitter at BKM underscore cast. You can also find this podcast on podcast.com, iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, YouTube. Uh, just hit us up in the search engine. Uh, we should be able to pop up. So, but other than that, uh, as always, like I said, I appreciate you guys for tuning in. Y'all take care and have a good one. Peace.